Welcome to another edition of the Unnamed NBA Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Andershock. Drew Davis will be joining me once again today to break down four more NBA Draft prospects. This episode will feature our first G League prospect, Jalen Green, along with three college guys, James Booknight, Io DeSumo, and Max Aismith. Um, Let's just go ahead, dive right in, Drew. Let's start off with Jalen Green, our first G League um, participant from this year, playing for G League Ignite um, for 15 games in the bubble this year. What are the things, um, just physically and, you know, the background on Jalen Green that pop out to you right away? Uh, well, Jalen Green, he's a player I've uh, watched for a few years now, and obviously when you know he went to Prolific, Grind Session comes to our area, has had a few opportunities to watch him there. Uh, I think the thing that always stood out to me with Jalen Green is when you see him in person, it's just how well he gets off the floor and just how explosive of an athlete he is. He's got good size at around six foot five. You know, he can handle the ball a little bit, shoot a little bit, and really good at the rim. So, I mean, when you see a player with those physical physical gifts with that size, it's very, you know, eye-popping right away. Yeah, I think definitely his length stands out. He's 6'5", six, 6'8", six, wingspan. So, I mean, you're right in that the average height and wingspan for NBA shooting guard, but he looks a little bit bigger than that. I wonder if those are outdated numbers because on the G League scene, he looked a little bit or Mm -hmm. the film, it looked a little bit longer than that. Obviously, coming straight from high school, still young, just turned 19 in February, so a lot of growth there. And he was arguably, you know, Ignite's best player when he got guys like Jared Jack playing alongside him. In 15 games, Green was really good, uh, really efficient on the offensive end. And uh, that was really just what stood out to me, just his efficiency. He was really good off the dribble and uh, from three-point line. So his efficiency really stood out you know, from his production standpoint. Yeah. And I think when you look at him, his ability to to get to the rim and we're, you know, he's in that G league bubble playing against, you know, he's not playing against college kids. He's playing against, I mean, granted they're G league players. They're still grown men. They play, you know, had cups of coffee in the NBA or G league guys or whatnot. But when you see the way he finished around the rim against those guys, you know, averaged over 1.2 points per possession on non-post-up finishes around the basket, his body control around the basket when he leaves his feet is phenomenal. And uh, I think that was the thing that really stood out to me uh, with his game and, you know, perimeter shooting, you know, when you enter an environment like that and you're playing against older guys, they're wiser and stronger and been around longer than you, you know, sometimes, you know, you're shooting, isn't there right away you know you see that with kids when they go to college you make that jump and I mean that's something he did struggle with in the uh, bubble but something was encouraging was he did make the uncontested yeah I was just really impressed um, how quick and efficient he was off the dribble Mm -hmm. he didn't waste motion too often and when he was going to the basket he ended up getting there more often than not like you said going against guys that have played in the NBA or fighting for an NBA spot I mean that's a lot more impressive than doing it at the high school or even college level um, kind of piggyback to piggyback off that, um, you know, his three point shooting is obviously from the NBA line, too. So that right. makes it even more impressive. Thirty six point five percent from three, eighty three percent from the free throw line. I think that's going to be something that he'll be able to rely on going forward. It's his shooting. Um, obviously, I think it will only improve going forward. Oh, I do, too. With him, the other thing that I, you know, kind of noticed was he was able to get get off the dribble a little bit and find some success. Now, granted, there are times when I felt like Jalen and settles for contested mid-range pull-ups a little bit too often. But, you know, for the most part, he was able, you know, 
to, to get it going off the dribble. And that's another layer of his games that he kind of seems to be peeling back. Yeah. And I like that he used his body to create that space too. Like right. you said, sometimes he would be selling for a mid range jumper after doing that, but he'd also use that contact to step back for three once in a while. And he looked pretty good doing that. So I think that's another thing, especially as he gets stronger, he'll be able to rely on those step backs a little bit more, using his body a little bit better, you know, just more often basically. But I thought that was a really good thing for him. Um, like you said, his slashing and finishing ability, I really think that's going to be something he'll be able to rely on pretty much from day one in the A. Almost definitely, because, you know, that that's that's always going to be there. Like, it's just there with the way he plays and his motor and everything. And n- another thing I, I felt like he did very well was, you know, he was very good in isolation when he got to go one-on-one with guys. And in transition, he excelled as well. And uh, another spot that I kind of, you know, thought was impressive was in spot-up situations. We're talking about a guy that averaged over a point possession and ranked in the 82nd uh percentile and spot ups for him that that's that's pretty solid yeah definitely that's that's one of the reasons why i think his shooting will be a major a major strength for him going forward um kind of going back you mentioned his motor i thought he was really active and aware especially like early in the game but that seemed to kind of fade off as he got tired i think conditioning is something that he'll really need to work on yeah the nba conditioning is a lot different even from the high college level conditioning in the nba you just have to be in in unbelievable shape and i think that's one area that will help his game if he can take that next step because early in games it looked like he was really active and aware and kind of just fell off once he got the right i i did notice that a little bit too and just kind of fade at the end of games but one thing i do have to give him credit for is a lot of those guys that played on that ignite team as you got later in their time in the bubble they were sitting out games they they weren't out there but not not Jalen. he was out there you know competing ready to go even you know when some of those other guys weren't out there and i think that kind of says a good bit about about him and his mentality yeah definitely and that is one thing i kind of question how much of a competitor is he it seems like he has some competitiveness to him but i just didn't know if he was you know that that high level competitor where that's going to help him be a, a plus or an all-star level defender in the in the NBA. What are your thoughts on it overall competitive? Now, I will agree with you. And I think that's a very fair question, Mark. Uh, when you say, when you talk about the defensive end, because I, you know, I had on my notes that he, he has the tools to be a good defender, but there's times where he just, you know, gets caught on screens or doesn't, or it's kind of soft and doesn't fight through him or doesn't have that willingness to, you know, kind of push through. And he's like, ah, oh, you know, it's just a defensive end, kind of that type of mindset. And I think that that's something he's got to improve on at the next level. But it's not like you look at this guy and you say he doesn't have the tools to be a good defender. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I definitely think his tools are there and, and the fundamental base. I mean, like you said, sometimes he doesn't quite get through screens, but he knows how to when he wants to. You know, he gets his hips over the top of the screens and stuff and gets through them. And on the help side, he's helping, getting back, like just showing that overall awareness and stuff. I think the fundamentals are there for him to be a really good defender. And I think he'll be able to guard couple positions at the next level too with his length and you know quickness he should be able to guard twos and threes maybe even switch on to you know point guards once in a while and be able to contain them maybe down the road once he adds more strength maybe switch on to fours so i think there's a lot of defensive versatility um at least potentially for Jalen. almost definitely and that's the thing that stood out to me when looking at his you know physical profile and just some clips here defensively and looking at like bits and pieces here and there was when you see a guy that 
type of defensive versatility in today's NBA. That's that's something that every team covet. Yeah, definitely. He had a, a 2.3% steal rate. So, you know, a positive impact on that end, at least. And one thing that I was kind of kind of weird, I thought, was doesn't really pursue rebounds very hard. Like, they were right no. there for him, but he would just let other guys get it. I think that would really, you know, at least stat-wise, it would really improve his overall profile if he would just go and grab them. That you might like be to... a little selfish, but, I mean, you would like to see that just, you know, just go get it. I know, I know. I know he liked to leak out a good bit, too. Yeah, I didn't see that too much, but I only, you know, only watch a handful of stuff, so could definitely be missing that. What do you, I was kind of, um, worried about his second effort. I know you kind of mentioned this about, you know, not getting over screens and stuff, but did you see him kind of give up at all, like, you know, make a good play and then just kind of relax at all or see him uninterested? I would notice that in high school a good bit where he would take possessions off for sure. But I thought in the G League bubble, he was more engaged and things things start to get, you know, real. He's starting to become professional. I thought I thought things start to click a little bit more. Now, I will say he still does it a little bit, but it's not near as bad as it was at the high school level. Yeah. Um, kind of just looking forward to the NBA. What do you see kind of his role being, especially early in the in his career? Like you said with him, uh, his, his slashing and athleticism is going to translate right away. I think, you know, you can have him as a two guard that's a slashing two guard can kind of create off the dribble and use that, you know, separation that he's able to create to maybe create his own shot a little bit. I could see him struggling shooting the ball, you know, early on in his career. That's something I think proved. I just think overall, you know, he, he has the potential to be a, a multi-year all-star. He's just a little bit more, you know, raw and he's got to, you know, kind of bring some of that out of his game. But he, the, this this kid's ceiling is very high. Yeah, I definitely think he could be like a versatile versatile shot creator for himself and maker, you know, mainly off the dribble to start. And like you said, he'll hit the open spot up three. I think that'll be something he can rely on. I also kind of like how he, he would attack off those situations too where he's spotting up take advantage of guys being out of position trying to close out on them i think that will that will translate to the nba pretty quick for him so i agree i think he'll be a pretty solid defender i would think um especially once he has more muscle and kind of gets that that focus obviously that could go either way you could totally lose focus if you're you make it in the nba but i think should end up being a pretty solid defender what do you think about you know a realistic outcome for his defensive uh ability i don't see any reason reason that he can't be a good defender other than mindset and want to. I mean, like we said, the kid's got all the tools to, to be able to buy in on that end and have versatility and switch different, you know, and guard different guys is obviously huge. But I mean, it just comes down to him, him, you know, being a little bit more mental, tough, mentally tough and just buying in on that. And then before. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's about all I wanted to mention about Green. Do you have any parting shots here on uh, Jalen Green? Uh, just in terms of uh, favorite athletes that, you know, we've kind of watched and got to see he's he's right there towards the top of the list. That's yeah. Um, you know, overall, we've we've talked about many of the uh, top picks so far, at least projected picks. Where do you fit Jalen Green? into that mix i would probably take if i if i was drafted and i was a gm i'd probably take keg cunningham over him i'd probably take evan mobley over him and i think i mean i like jalen suggs a good bit but i think there's a very real argument for jalen green to be the third guy off the board i mean what about you um i'm i would put jalen green behind all three of those other ones but like you said it's not a huge difference i just i just don't see that mega upside with Jalen Green like I do with the other ones like I don't see him potentially being like an MVP type of guy 
but not to say his potential is not great, but I just see him being a little bit below that tier and kind of being more of a, an all-star level, you know, upside type of guy. No, I, I would definitely probably take Suggs over him if I had to pick between those two. But if someone were to say, hey, you know, I, I think I would take Jalen Green at three, I could, I could see why they would, if you get what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. I just like, I don't know, I like the the explosiveness of Suggs a little bit more than Jalen Green. And then you, you throw in the skill set, and I think Suggs might have that a little bit over Jalen or Green as well. So that's why I would go with Suggs. Right. No, most definitely. All right. Let's move over to uh, James Booknight, from, the sophomore from um, Connecticut. He turned 21. He will turn 21 in September. Another like 6'5 shooting guard type. Um, score first guy really wasn't too efficient for UConn this season um, 54.6 true shooting 49.8 effective field goal but you know he was pretty much the the main option for UConn and at times the only option for him so he really had to produce the Huskies weren't going to score um, battle were, injuries too yeah what what were some of the things that stood out uh, about book night for you? Uh, thing that stood out to me was his ability to just put the ball on the floor and get his own shot. You know, that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. You know, I, I think another thing that when you dive deep into his game that just watching him live, it may not necessarily, you know, be something that's blatantly obvious is he does struggle to shoot the ball, but he's really kind of, you know, shifty off the dribble, can get to the rim, finishes well around the rim. And I think that was the biggest thing I took away from his game. Yeah, when you look at his jump shot, it looks good. He it just does. Didn't, he just didn't get it to fall very often. Like shot at 78% from the free throw line, 80% for his career from the line, shot a little bit better as a freshman from three-point range, like 35% compared to 29% as, as a sophomore this season. So I think there is some projection to say uh, Booknight could be a pretty good three-point shooter in the NBA, just looking at his mechanics, free throw percentage. And obviously he wasn't terrible, terrible from three-point range in college. So I think there is some upside um, to his shooting there. Yeah, and another, another thing that, you know, uh, obviously as good, you know, the good twitch and burst the ball on his hands and he does a really good job of creating separation off of a guy on that you know right before he goes to get into a shot and uh the other thing i noticed was i thought he showed some flashes of pick and roll ball handler you know he did a really good job of coming off screens and when he had mismatches in pick and roll situations he really feasted on those yeah i would uh i'm gonna argue with his quickness and speed though drew i don't think it, he has that great a burst off the dribble i thought his separation came more just from his ball handling you know head fakes change of pace i think that's why he was so good in the ball screen game too you can use those things all to create another advantage where do you rank his his overall quickness i would say just above average i don't think it's like great just right above average is where I would have it. Yeah, I thought he was a good athlete for the college game. I think he'll be average to below average you know, NBA shooting guard level. Right, right. I think I think that's fair. I think he definitely has a, a shifty, you know, heady part of his game that you got to appreciate, like you said. Yeah, he was really smooth with the ball in his hand, like you're saying. Like, he can, you know, put a dribble move on somebody and get them off balance just with one quick move, and that's pretty impressive. And Overall, like you're saying, he's still a good finisher for a guy that really didn't get wide open looks at the rim because of that. Yeah, I know. I know. And the other thing that also stood out to me was his ability in isolation situations to beat guys off the bounce. And like looking at a guy that averaged over a point per possession in isolation situations this past year. Yeah. Um, the one thing I thought really pulled down his shooting numbers were just his mid-range. He relied on that so much. And he was only shooting like in the 30s or something from that range. So really made his shooting numbers look worse than they 
were. Um, if he could, he's kind of like Jalen Green at that point in that mm-hmm. part of the game where they kind of just took way too many mid-range shots. But like I said before, UConn needed him to get shots whenever he could so I do give him a little bit of a pass for that one yeah UConn was going to go as far as James Booknight could take them offensively so you like you said we got to look at that take that for what it's worth but uh you know the other thing that kind of stood out to me was when he was off the basketball I thought he did a good job of you know moving cutting getting into spots where he could attack away from the basketball yeah um it was kind of weird he shot better from three as a freshman and most of his you know makes were off assists and then this past Last year, he was taking more off the dribble on his percentage drops. So I'm wondering if that was a direct correlation or if shooting overall just dropped or if he just needs to look for more spot-up opportunities from three kind of going forward. Uh, do you think the injuries could have played a part in that with him kind of, you know, being in and out, the elbow being hurt? Yeah, definitely. But still, I just thought it was kind of weird that he really just didn't make many, many assisted threes this season. Right. You would think being injured, you would look for that a little bit more. Right. No, I, I agree with that. And uh, looking at him defensively at the next level, I think he has the ability and tools to be a good defender at the next level. It's not quite there yet, but at the same time, how much of that is, hey, you're our main guy offensively at UConn. We need you to save it for that. And, you know, we got other guys that are going to play defense. Yeah. I agree. I, especially with his physical tools, you know, he's pretty good laterally. I think he could become a pretty good defender and have some versatility there where he could defend a point guard or a shooting guard. So I like I like his defense upside going forward. Most definitely. And the next next level, uh, what would you kind of say uh, defensively you think is ceiling? Um, I don't think it's too high. I mean, I think in just above, you know, a a plus defender type of guy. I don't think he's going to be a game changer where he's really creating tons of steals each game or anything. What about you? I don't think he can be a great defender. I think he could be a average good defender somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. The the interesting thing for me is I just don't see him ever being a playmaker forever. Others like ever basically. I think he's got to be a scorer. Uh, what about you? Uh, I this is something I had in my notes was uh, you know I thought there was an outside chance of him becoming more of a combo guard at the next level. But personally, I feel he fits best as a scoring guard. Why, why make try to make him into something that he's not? Yeah, I definitely think his his widest widest path to a long NBA career is just becoming a much better outside shooter where he can use that to be more of a consistent scorer um, and kind of just be a playmaker by happenstance and not really rely on that. Yeah, I think a big thing for him and his longevity of his NBA career is getting his jump shot to become more consistent and taking more efficient shots because if he can do that with, you know, kind of his shiftiness, ability to put them all on the floor, you know, get to the rim, I think that's a a role at the very least that you can say, hey, this guy can come off the bench and be a a scoring punt. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever be a number one option or even number two option. So I think a lot of NBA teams will be able to get him away from that mid-range shot pretty quickly and try to just help help his overall efficiency going forward. That should help his his tenure in the NBA, I would think. Yeah, I know. And I I, I could see him fitting in very nicely as a rotational. Yeah, especially if that defense comes around, uh, you know, and you can get that scoring punch off the bench from him just slash into the basket you could definitely envision him in a lot of systems helping out yeah yeah and i know and i think i don't know if you saw his kind of backstory about how he got into the game i want to mention that before we, uh, we moved on on him he actually started out as a baseball player and i think uh, i believe he had an arm injury that ended up you know basically changing his direction on which way he went to go uh sport wise and it 
leading him towards basketball. Dang, I think I do remember something about that, but thanks for bringing that up. Do well, you know when he when that happened and when he, he switched paths? I don't remember exactly when it happened, but I want to say it was like around middle school. Oh, okay. Pretty early on. All right. Um, kind of going back for an overall view, where do you think book night kind of fits with the lottery, first round, second round type of guys that we've, we've broken down here? I could see him getting in the back of the lottery, but I think probably the more realistic would be mid first round or somewhere in just outside the lottery at a 22 range somewhere right around there yeah who would you uh who would you take you know or where would you place him in terms of like Corey Kispert Keon Johnson Sharif Cooper Terrence Shannon Cam Thomas those types I would probably take uh Corey Kispert over him because I think you could you know you look at Corey Kispert shooter much easier to like just fit him in as a rotation piece if you know what I'm saying I yeah, would take no I would take Cam Thomas over him. I think Cam Thomas is a better scorer, a more efficient scorer, has more ways to score than Book Knight. And I, I I think those were the two that I was really comparing. You know, they're both shooting guards. One of those guys is probably going to be the you know one of the first shooting like true shooting guards off the board. I'd probably go t- Thomas over him, and then definitely take him over Terrence Shannon. Then uh, Keon Johnson. Uh, I would probably take Keon over him just because of a. Uh, pure upside and if Keon clicks he can be a, a huge big time player but you know out of that list I'm, I think probably right there towards the top or right in the middle yeah I'm definitely taking Corey Kispert over him just like you said I mean with his shooting he's gonna be able to help teams no matter where he goes and then from there I think it's more of a, a system fit like like you said I like Keon Johnson's upside but book Knight's definitely proven a lot more to this point mm-hmm. um, and then I like Terrence Shannon's defensive versatility going forward um, but I think I would take book Knight over Cam Thomas personally I think um, I just like his feel for the game a little bit more than cam thomas so kind of i guess i trust book night a little bit more right one way to put it so that's definitely um, a a fair question mark on cam's game feel yeah it always always score first guy you know Mm -hmm. how's that how's that going to translate to the nba it's always an interesting question so but like you said it's pretty close between all those guys i think kispert's in a tier above them but other than that i think the rest of them you can pretty much throw a dart at they're all in that same group i would say no for sure Sure. And it's interesting because a lot of those guys are very comparable as well. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to uh, a big 10 point guard, Io DeSumo, uh, the rare junior coming out. He uh, thought about trying to enter the NBA draft last year and still stayed in it as long as he could. But, you know, with the pandemic, he just decided it was better to play another season. Obviously turned in a huge year for the Illini, had them in the top four pretty much all the all year long. And, um, you know, I think he really improved his stock, which is hard to do as a junior, especially when you've been on, you know, this platform for all three years. But I thought he really helped himself. Um, he turned 21 in January, and obviously, as a three-year college player, that's going to happen. But not too old still, still plenty of upside for him. Um, what kind of sticks out uh, first and foremost about uh, Io for you? I think it's the size at around six foot four, and his ability to take guys off the bounce and finish at the rim with that, you know, speed. I think that. That is probably the the biggest thing that caught my eye his ability you know when he gets you know puts his foot down he goes and he hits a guy with a crossover and that ability to go right to left and that quick change of direction I think that was what stood out to me the most yeah definitely I'm right there six four I think he's measured at like six eight and a half wingspan so pretty good especially for a point guard I thought it was interesting how up and down his three-point shooting was throughout his career at uh, Illinois 
35% as a freshman, down to about 30% as a sophomore, and then back up to 39% this season. And I think shooting pretty much the biggest part of his game um, going forward. If he's going to be able to shoot it well, he's going to have a long career. If he's not going to shoot it well, then he's going to be fighting for an NBA Ross spot. Uh, kind of what are your thoughts on on his shooting and how important is it going forward? I think a lot of it is shot selection. He just seems to not be shy about getting them up. That's for sure. This yeah. past year, you know, he would take some bad shots, but he was able to, to knock a lot of them down or, you know, questionable shots, I think be a better word to use. And, uh, you know, for him, like you said, if he doesn't shoot the ball well, then I guess you look at him and you say, and how is he going to last in the NBA? Yeah, and I do like that his free throw shootings progressed each year. About 70% of the freshmen, 75.5 as a sophomore, and then 78% this year. So there is, you know, some upside to his shooting going forward. And uh, he got to a lot to the free throw line a ton this year. His free throw rate was 33%. For a guy who was the main go-to scorer for a top team, I mean, that's a pretty huge number mm-hmm. led to great efficiency 56.6 true shooting so off the charts efficiency for a, a big time big usage for like ios oh uh, yeah and when whenever it came to putting the ball on the floor and getting to the rim he was he was really good in those situations too finishing around the basket is something that he did wrote well like you said when you're six foot four guard i guess you could kind of say more of a lead guard at the college level and then a six eight wingspan your ability to kind of just finish over guys at the college level is always going to be there. Yeah. And that was, I mean, even as a freshman, he was a good finisher. So that was something that really stayed consistent throughout his uh, his career. Despite, you know, he was never like a, a huge above the rim guy. Right. So that was impressive. Um, and then I was, I was impressed with his playmaking this year. First couple of years, he really didn't set up other guys very often, despite being you know, a lead guard. I thought that really made a jump this year. He helped, you know, set up his teammates a lot better. No, I agree. I didn't notice that, you know, time to time to be able to put the ball on the floor, beat his defender, and then draw the second defender and then drop that ball off to, you know, Kofi. There's a lot of situations like that and situations when he was in the pick and roll with Kofi, which obviously that that's a real problem for a defense right there because you have Kofi who's rolling hard at the rim. What, what are you going to do about that? And obviously yeah. you have Io, who's one of the best players in college basketball, initiating the pick and roll. And those two were potent working yeah. together this past year. No, no doubt. Um, the one thing I thought another, you know, kind of weakness or his turnovers were always on the a little bit high, not outlandish, but, you know, just kind of worrisome a little bit. I thought a lot of them came from either just handling the ball or when he was looking to make a pass, guys just deflected the ball out of his hands. It's kind of weird that a good, good portion of his turnovers were just in those simple situations for a guy of his caliber. I'm I'm wondering if that will improve or if that's just some type of habit that he can't break. I I did notice something going through his like year film from the year. And then it got really exploited against Loyola Chicago in that tournament game was when opponents would blitz ball screens, he would struggle. And Loyola Chicago did that consistently over and over again in that tournament game. And he would, he just couldn't do anything. It really threw him out of a rhythm. He was forcing things. He was turning it over. He was making, you know, question decisions. And I, I thought that if I, if I like personally, if I was going up against him, I, I would, you know, go over that ball screen every time and try to put pressure on him. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of those turnovers where he just got it taken from were in those blitzes where he picks up the ball and then he doesn't protect it very well. He just kind of leaves the ball in front of him and it gets stripped from him. Kind of weird, definitely weird for a guy of his caliber to do those mental mistakes like that. Yeah. And, and it was almost like he would just be like a deer in the headlights when he would see that blitz coming and he would just panic, yeah. not know what to do. Yeah, no doubt. 
the other part of his game I think he could benefit from adding is having more of an in-between game. There was times where I could see him going down the, the, the lane and he would, you know, smash into a guy and you're looking at the NBA when those guys are big, stronger and everything. You don't want to be running into those guys consistently when you can just get to a little floater and, you know, it's a lot more efficient and it's a lot easier to score that way instead of just putting your body on the line time after time after time. Yeah. And he did struggle in those situations at Illinois. So I'm interested to see how much he can improve in that mid range and, you know, in the floater range type of situations, um, especially at the next level, like with the, like you're, what you're saying with the, the true shot blockers with pretty much every team in the NBA now, how is he going to be able to score if, if he's not getting all the way to the rim? Right. Right. And it's not, and like you said, it's not like he's overly, you know, athletic, like catching bodies and finishing strong around the rim. That's not who he is. Yeah, definitely not. Um, kind of looking for his role at the next level. I mean, I think he's got to be a ball handler, playmaker for others. Yeah, you know, I just don't know if his playmaking or explosiveness off the dribble is good enough to do that unless his shooting does come around. Uh, what are your thoughts about his role at the next level? This is one I kind of struggled to project and kind of see how he would fit because, I mean, obviously he's an outstanding college player, but like with his ball handling, I, I, I think it needs to be more fine-tuned. It's a, He's a little loose with the ball at the time, at times, and I think that's an area of his game in the NBA that he's not going to be able to get away with. And, you know, like we said, some of that overpowering stuff where he would finish around the rim just with size, the NBA, that's not going to be there. And like you said, for his shot, it better be consistent or he's going to be in trouble. I don't yeah. I don't know what role he would be, be in if it's not consistent. Yeah, yeah, because you can't really even say he'd just be like a distributor as like a backup because he doesn't take care of the ball well enough to do that, especially coming off the bench. You can't have a guy turning it over off the bench. No, no. He, he does a bunch of things decent to like well, but he doesn't do anything great. I think. Yeah. Um, at least at least at the NBA level. I mean, when I say that, he doesn't great at that level. Yeah. And then like even defensively, I think you're just looking at a solid, maybe a, a slightly plus defender. You're not looking at a, a big time defender, especially no. at the NBA level. No. So yeah, I think his his role is pretty narrow here. Like he's got to become a, a great playmaker for others, improve his shooting to you know get to a starter level in the NBA. Yeah, and I mean personally, I'd be kind of surprised if that happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've liked the improvement we saw this year, but yeah, he still has such a long ways to go. Could be a guy that you know gets drafted and plays a year or two in the G League, just trying to refine that that role and trying to figure it out. No, exactly. I mean, but at the very least I could see, you know, he's the guy that goes to the G League a couple of years, tries to get a shot in the NBA. It doesn't work out. And then he goes over some makes decent money. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Um, just for, you know, later first round, second round guys, where would you fit uh, IO in, you know, with those John Petty, Matthew Hurt, McKinley Wright type of uh, guys we've looked at? I would probably take him over Matthew Hurt, McKinley Wright, for sure, just off of uh, sure physical tools, what you potentially. I just think there's more to work with with him than there is Matthew Hurt and, and McKinley Wright. While I do, I mean, I like McKinley a lot, you know that. But there's a cap for him, you know, ceiling wise with his physical ability and physical tools. Yeah. And uh, John Petty is a guy that I might I might take John Petty over him just because I know the the one thing that John Petty does really well is shoot the basket, yeah. and you can work with that. Yeah, yeah, like you said, I think I'm definitely taking IO over Matthew Hurt and. McKinley Wright and then Petty's pretty close but like you said I do like the you know what you can get out of John Petty right now with Io at the NBA level you're kind of up in the air about his, his entire game 
same basis. Exactly. All right. Uh, if you don't have any uh, last words, I'll move on. Here. I think that pretty much covers it for Iowa. All right. Let's move over to uh, the big story of the NCAA tournament. Max Asmus from uh, Oral Roberts led Oral Roberts into the uh, Sweet 16 and nearly made a shot to put him to the Elite Eight. Uh, first kind of low major run really stood out like that since, you know, Steph Curry and Davidson. Obviously, there are a lot of comparisons with his shooting range and just his overall scoring to Steph Curry. Um, he's not officially in the NBA draft yet, but uh, turned 20 in April. And uh, what are your thoughts on Max? Just, you know, first thoughts, I guess. Uh, physically, he's a bit undersized, around six foot. I mean, six foot might be being generous, to be fair. You know, the, uh, we look at a guy, like you said, they led college basketball in scoring this past season. He's a true three-level scorer. Uh, the other thing that stood out to me is they played a couple of good games against good teams. They played Arkansas twice. They played Ohio State in the tournament, played uh, Florida in the tournament. I think they played uh, Oklahoma State or Oklahoma in the regular season. They played a couple more Power 5 games. And against all those teams, he was really good against good competition. So it's not like this is a guy that just dominated, you know, the Summit League and was a Summit League all-star. This is a guy that showed up against really good team. Yeah. Oral Roberts definitely is not making that run without him. So no. like you said, he's definitely definitely showed up against the biggest competition and performed at such a high level that almost turned uh, Oral Roberts into a major Cinderella there. Uh, like you said, 24.6 points per game as a sophomore. It's pretty incredible, even at the low major level. I mean, there's not too many guys that can put up that many points and keep the efficiency he had. Um, 63 true shooting percentage, 58.5 effective field goal percentage. Those are pretty outrageous when you're scoring 25 points a game. It's uh, a guy that shot eight threes a game and still managed yeah. to shoot 43% from three. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Speaking of that, like uh, we talked about book night going from mostly assisted threes to mostly off the dribble. And that's what Aismas did too. Um, but obviously he had a, a lot more success with uh, those shots. But as a freshman, most of his shots were coming off the pass and off the catch. And then this year was mostly off the dribble. It's a pretty big change for, for one year, but obviously worked out well for him and Oral Roberts. Yeah, I think another area of his game that was outstanding was him as a pick-and-roll ball handler, like ranked in the 93rd percentile. I think he averaged over over nine points per game in off-pick-and-roll situations, just, you know, for a guy that had the ball in his hands. And uh, I can't remember their big fella's name. He did a really good job of getting him the ball, spots where he could, you know, finish, uh, you know, in the lane or around the basket. And whenever it came to scoring, he was lethal in that, in that phase too. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, he really didn't turn the ball over. Like even as a freshman two seasons ago for Oral Roberts, he didn't turn it over. And this year he definitely took great care of it. So like you said, I think that's something that he can really rely on in the pick and roll game. And, you know, just despite his size, you're going to be confident that he's going to make the right decision to take care of the ball. Right, right. And like, we're looking at a guy that also, you know, like if you look at it, all of his analytical categories this past year, it's hard to poke any holes in his game offensively. Like ranked 99th percentile in spot up situations, like, you know, consistently took guys off the bounce all, all year long, was lethal in iso isolation opportunities. You know, and we even look at a guy that's like maybe six foot or just below six foot for a guy 
that size to finish the way he did around the rim was also impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I thought his burst was really good, especially for low major level. You just don't see guys that have that burst and then can also, you know, back it up with mid range floater type of game or even three point shots like he does. That's why he was just so unstoppable. I mean, he was blowing by guys off the dribble and then, you know, he would get in and there's a shot blocker at the rim and he has that, like, he, he almost leans back on his floater. I don't know if I've seen many guys do that, but he would, he would lean back almost like a Dirk Nowitzki fadeaway mm-hmm. where he's leaning back a little bit to get that extra room to get it over shot blockers. I think that's going to be really useful for him going forward since he is going to be the smallest guy on the court pretty much every game. But really thought his quickness was at a high level and then he knows how to use it too. He's just not a, a blow by guy and has no game behind it. He knows how to use it, knows how to pick his spots really well. And we're also talking about a guy that in the situation, the few times that he was off the ball, he does a really good job of cutting and moving. Like you see in the tournament, how many times he would, you know, slip past a guy and get a backdoor cut for a layup. Like that impressed me too, because you know you see a guy that has the ball in his hands that much, but he's not just a one-trick pony. He can play off the ball a little bit. Yeah. I thought his shot prep did require a little bit of space, but then he kind of negated that by having such deep range i mean he'll just keep moving back and back giving more space to get it off so i think that's something kind of watch especially the nba where you don't have any time at all even against you know when you're considered open it's still a tenth of a second right right like other thing with him as a play a playmaker i would say he's more you know he's a ball dominant guy that's wired to score more so than create for others but at the same time he's playing at oral roberts what do you want him to do yeah, I think it's definitely possible for him to turn into a playmaker just because he knows how to play so well. And with his quickness, he doesn't turn it over. So I think the tools or at least the ingredients are there for him to be a playmaker for others. No, I, I agree with that 100%. Another area of his game was, you know, you look at a guy that goes off, shooting off the dribble. Most guys, they you're supposed to, that number's supposed to drop when you're shooting off the dribble. You're not <laughs> supposed to rank in the 95th percentile shooting off the dribble like he did this past year. Yeah, he was unreal. Especially like what you said, you know, pulling up in transition or off ball screens and, you know, from close to 30 feet, kind of like Steph Curry, um, just drilling shots. I mean, I think that's the easiest comparison is Steph Curry, but obviously Steph is a once in a generation type player, so we can't uh, make a one for one comparison there. But that's the type of game that kind of reminds me. And the other thing for Steph is he's like 6'3", 6'4", and where Max is probably 5'11", 6 foot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do like, I really like uh, A. Smith's uh, floor in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the bare minimum, I think you're looking at a bench scorer and distributor that can really run the run a team. And then the upside is, you know, he's, he's a big-time scorer and shooter that can light up defenses. So what are your thoughts on what he can do at the next level? To me, at the very least, he's the guy that bring off your bench, you can score it, create for others, and just run your second unit, be be lethal, and just kill kill other teams' bench. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good role. Yeah, I, I see that as well. And like, he's always, to me, I think he's always going to be a below average defender mm-hmm. because of his size. Um, even if he adds some muscle, I think it's still going to be an uphill fight for him. But with his offensive game, especially if he becomes more of a playmaker, I think that's going to outweigh his defense by a, a large mar- margin. So like he said, I really like his, his full or in the NBA, I think it's pretty high. I, I agree too. And I mean, I, I do see defensively teams will be wanting to run pick and rolls against him a lot. 
try to create switches and get mismatches with him where, you know, he's just, you know, kind of hung out to dry, his physical limitations, size, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, but definitely. the other, the other thing that kind of blew my mind is, you know, going back to where he started out of high school, we're looking at a guy that had offers from Oral Roberts, Air Force, Army, and Marist. And now we're talking about a guy that could get drafted in the NBA draft. And only after two years. It's not like he's a four-year player. I know. Right now. I know. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a quick, that's a quick come up for sure. Uh, do you think there is any reason for him to go back to World Roberts? I mean, we're, it seems like we're both pretty high on him. No, man. If you're the situation he is where, you know, you look at how the draft community is talking about him, you know, see the Draft Express guys have ranked them. You know, you see stuff like that. If you're Max Asmus, you got to strike while the iron's hot. It's it's time to go. You you get out. You're still 20. You still, still aren't going are gonna to be graded on a little bit of a curve. You go back to school, everything you do is scrutinized, and it's going to hurt your stock most likely. Yeah, I just don't see how he could improve his stock by going back. You're still not going to be able to play the greatest competition um, if he sticks with Oral Roberts. Obviously, everybody's got that one free transfer that he could transfer anywhere he wanted, probably. But you just, you're, I just don't see how you're improving your stock going forward. His numbers were off the charts this year. It's not like he's going to shoot like 75% from three or something. <laughs> That's about the only way he could improve it. So I think you got to go. And even if you end up as a second rounder, I mean, it's still a great chance you have a long NBA career. I think a lot of teams will be interested in him in the second round, bring him in. And get them on their get get them in their system, get them integrated with what they want to do, and bring them off the bench. I just I really see a role for this guy in the NBA. We're talking about a league where if you're able to pass, dribble, and shoot, you're an extremely valuable player, and he can do all of those things at a very high level. Yeah, I would if he comes out this year. I think I would probably take him at the end of the first round. Probably probably not higher than like twenty range, but I think he's probably worth a, a first round pick with his floor. What are your thoughts on the opinion? I agree with that. I agree with that. I I would take him over Ohio. I would take him over Ohio 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. What about would he ever go above, you know, Cam Thomas, Dave uh, Knight, those types of guys. I don't think there's any way he goes above those type of guys. Uh, those guys with the size they have. When you look at their ability and upside and, you know, the physical tools, I think that that's going to be looked at too. They, those those guys are like fringe lottery picks, either, you know, right at the end of the lottery or just outside the lottery. I just don't, I don't think you take a guy that's six foot that early, like, yeah. unless it's like Trey Young. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm pretty close to being there, but like you said, there's probably enough talent in this one where he kind of gets pushed a little bit lower, but I don't know. I'd, I kind of put him in that same category as Book Knight and those guys. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at just performance and talent and ability to score and, you know, that, I, I could see that. But the size thing for me is a big deal. Yeah. But I just, like we've said, like, we know, like, there's a, there's going to be a role for A. Smith. And we don't really know if there's going to be a role for Jay and Book Knight and those guys. That's fair. That's fair. Right. Um, I think that's about all I had on him. Anything else uh, you want to add here, Drew? Nah, it's just uh, it's a pleasure to watch him play in the tournament and <laughs> performances he put on. Went in from, you know, just kind of went to see him after, you know, the Summit League tournament to watch him at a tournament and hoping they they would keep advancing because he was so fun to watch. Yeah, and he had that final shot against Arkansas. It almost went down. We would have seen him one more game at least. I know, I know. And the thing is, as good as he was in that game with the way they were keying on like, think about this. Arkansas was running guys at him at the half court line when he was off the ball to keep his teammates from being able to pass him the ball. 
how often do you see that at the college level? You don't you don't see that a lot. Yeah, definitely speaks to how much talent and how how important he was to that team. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I think that'll just about do it then, Drew. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for uh, joining the unnamed NBA draft podcast once again, Drew. Oh, it's a pleasure. These are four very interesting guys to break down. Yeah, definitely. And four guys. I don't know if we've had a a podcast where all four guys were kind of expected to be drafted to our, our wild card was pretty uh, highly ranked. So I know our wild cards blown up. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll hit you again pretty soon. We'll try to start uh, rolling these podcasts out a lot sooner as uh, the NBA draft inches closer. So thank you once again for listening and we'll catch you next time.